great to have you back. Thank you for coming to listen to the next in the series uh, of my podcast. It's really good to have you here. And I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to this, you're having a really wonderful day. So today's uh, podcast is about kind of personal brand. Um, it's a topic that is you know, quite sensitive and a lot of people talk about it or refer to it, but don't really have any sort of context behind it. And I thought I would try and demystify personal branding a little bit because, you know, all too often uh, it's thrown around, um, the vernacular is used and thrown around without any real depth behind it. So today let's have a chat about that. We're kind of a one-way chat unless uh, you do well listening to podcasts try and answer back. Do you? Well, if you just answered, then you've answered your own question. So, because uh, I obviously can't hear you, so that's a bit of a shame. So let's talk about... Uh, this personal brand thing. So it's one of these uh, unspoken, unmentioned laws of any company that, you know, people are making decisions on you. uh, People are making sort of views on you and building these views on you, sometimes without even meeting you, sometimes just by seeing you, um, based on your personal brand. Now, sadly, and it really does uh, break my heart, because I've seen it and, you know, fallen foul to it myself and, and you know, really witnessed this in effect. It's sometimes, and it sounds crazy, sometimes your personal brand is actually more important than your performance. And it sounds mental, but it's true. You know, I've seen people get promoted uh, above and over other people who are actually not as fit for the role as the person that they were promoted over. But because uh, they had a stronger personal brand profile, it kind of helped them escalate their career quickly. Now, obviously, in these situations, sometimes the person that's promoted becomes unstuck and, uh, you know, uh, they slip back down the, the ladder. But other times, because they've been promoted by someone who believes in them, they get a lot of leeway and support. So, you know, it as much as personal brand is one of those, you know, unspoken about laws, as you just heard, and as I'm sure you've seen before in your jobs, people with much less experience than you, or uh, maybe not quite as qualified as you, or, you know, maybe just, you know, you think it's a weird decision. These guys or girls are getting promoted over you. So it's a weird little thing that we've got to try and work out. And I suppose that's one of the reasons that I thought I would do a little episode on it today. So think of your personal brand as like your internal marketing team. That's who these guys are. They're sort of this internal marketing team that are they're rooting for you at all times. Um, but you've got to employ these people, get them working for you, get this internal sort of system and metric really kicking. So let's have a little think about it. So first of all, your personal brand is actually made up of a few bits and pieces. So let's start with the first one, which is the company that you keep at work. Now, sounds crazy, but genuinely the people and the company that you keep at work allows people to make up uh, decisions about who you are as a person. So for example, if you hang around with the party crew who are always hung over on a Monday, you know, who shady do half days on a Friday, you might know some of these people, uh, you know, always out and about at every company event, you know, they're doing Jägermeister shots with their starters. Um, 
you know, if you hang around with that crew, there's a strong chance you're going to be, you might not be, you might not be one of them, you just might enjoy their company, but there's a strong chance when, you know, senior managers see you with the party bus, they'll be like, oh, there's Johnny. He is, if any of you call Johnny that listening to this, email me, because that would be a really wonderful coincidence. You know, he's one of those guys as part of the party crew. Equally, uh, if you are the shrinking violet crew, so you sort of, you've got character and you're ready to do it, but you hang around with people that are a little bit more shy, a little bit more nervous about stuff, then of course you're going to get bracketed into that. So who you rub shoulders with at work, your colleagues, the sort of click that you get into at work, does make a, a, does make a really good sort of foundation of how people perceive your personal brand. So have a think uh, throughout this podcast as I'm sort of chucking some ideas out there. But have a think about, you know, if you were to introspectively kind of look at the crowd that you surround yourself with at work and sort of take a step back for two seconds and have a look at them, would you say that they were having a real positive effect on you or would you say they're having a little bit of a hindering effect on you? Now, of course, only you know the answer to that because it's very subjective and all these other things, but have a little think about it. Just take a moment just to reflect. Then there is your narrative. Now, what is your narrative, you may be asking? So think about this. Uh, Let me give you a really good example. So think about this person at work now, and they're guaranteed there's one in your office, your restaurant, your bar, your call center, wherever you're listening. If you're listening to this from work, by the way, wicked use of time but uh, there's always one of these people in every business that anyone's ever worked in ever in their lives ever and that is the person that's always leaving you might have met them actually on your first day so this person's narrative is that they hate their company it's really shit life is really shit everything is like a nightmare everything is someone else's fault they're not going to hang around this place. You were brave to join this company. What do you think you're doing? And they're leaving. The ironic thing about the person that's constantly leaving is they never bloody leave. They sort of got a version of Stockholm Syndrome where they've fallen in love with their captors. And everyone knows it. Everyone knows this person. You know this person. So your narrative is really important. So this person's narrative, the reason this person wants to leave, maybe is because they're never getting a promotion. Maybe because they're never moving onwards and upwards. They're never getting that opportunity. Of course they're not getting that opportunity because all they spend their career doing at the office is moaning about how shit it is to be at the office. So, you know, no one's going to make a decision to promote that person. So they may have the best technical skills, the best knowledge bombs, but, you know, promoting that person to a more senior role is going to have a real knock-on effect. So your narrative, so take this case as a good example, really important. Think of another person's narrative. So think of, you know, the soul sucker. You know the person in your office now that is just, and sorry for the Harry Potter reference, if none of you, or if some of you haven't watched Harry Potter, this isn't going to mean anything to you, Uh, and who hasn't watched Harry Potter anyway, but put that to the side, a Dementor. You know the person that when you're talking to, you literally feel your life being sucked out of your ass. You're literally talking to this person, and all you're trying to work out how to do is how you can stop talking to that person. So you may 
fake a phone call. That works well until the phone really rings when it's pushed up against your ear. You may pretend or keep looking at your watch. You know, we've all tried all of these tricks. My point is more about uh, the person that's creating the problem. Not, I might do a podcast on tricks of getting away from a soul-sucking asshole, but let's not do that today. Let's focus on that person's narrative. And their narrative is that they are a soul-sucker. They're unhappy, they're miserable, they're depressing. So what's their narrative? Think about their narrative to their bosses, their peers, their colleagues. And they're in control of this, right? So from the serial complainer to the soul-sucker, these guys genuinely own this. So they could change that if they wanted to. They could take a more positive outlook and approach, but they don't. So when you think of your narrative, what is your saying about you? How are you perceived? Are you upbeat, an ideas person? Are you there grinding it out every day? Are you compliant, rebellious, creative? Are you innovative? What is your narrative, the words that come out of your mouth and the actions that you take saying about you? And if you go to the point we made earlier on, that you're hanging around with, you know, the Jägermeister crew. So every Monday, your narrative basically surrounds how many carbs you could eat to get over the hangover and how hungover you are. And did you see what Jeff did last night? Then maybe your narrative isn't quite right. So have a little think here. Not only is it about, you know, the company that you keep, but also your narrative. It's also really important to talk about social presence on and offline and networking. So let's start with networking. So networking, huge part uh, of uh, our daily lives and our daily jobs. And one of the things that I really focused on uh, as a leader was making sure that I always got as much face time with my seniors as I could. And as I grew through a company, you know, you get a little bit more confident about it and you start, uh, you know, enjoying those interactions and ultimately leveraging those interactions for your career, your benefit, your progress. Uh, I remember being a GM with IHG and uh, I was running a hotel in Mayfair in central London. And one of the things that I would always do every month was I would visit our head office uh, and I would make appointments with people that I held in really high regard from our chief operating officer all the way through to when I think of Peter and his VP role and all the other VPs that are around us and I made time for these guys because I wanted to get my face in front of them and every now and then I would take a member of my XCOM with them as well so not only were they meeting me but my XCOM member say it was Areti, my hotel manager could then get some face time with these people as well now, all too often, you know, we take the approach, well, you know, if they want to see me, they can come and see me, or they want to talk to me, they can come and talk to me. But as I, re- I realised from the other side, as you've become more senior within a corporation, you know, you, you're vesting interest in people that seem interested, personal narrative and company that they keep. So the fact that, you know, these guys, and at the time that was me, was willing to come into head office, you know, it's quite a slog on the train to get there, a little bit nerve-wracking, you know, it's the big global head office, and wander around and meet people and get my face into it. You know, the message for me there was about, you know, the more you're on people's minds, the more opportunities will come your way. So, you know, have a quick moment and think about when was the last time you took an opportunity to see your boss or your boss's boss or just that network, you know, 
their executive team, you know, when was the last time you really made that opportunity to get and see these people and have a conversation with them and just, you know, press the flesh, uh, which means handshake, if that doesn't really translate very well. You know, when was the last time you had a handshake with these guys and started having a conversation with them? So, you know, really take some time to think about when you're networking, uh, you know, it's important to try and get something out of it. And if you want to grow within the company, getting your face known as well as your performance and use this opportunity to talk to your seniors about how well things are going, things that you've done, initiatives that you've launched. You know, don't, don't use this as an opportunity to turn up and say how shit staff lunch is. These people aren't interested in that conversation. They want to know about you what you are doing, how you are driving the business, how your performance is going, how engaged you are with it. This is your opportunity every time you network to kind of have a little fanfare. That internal marketing team kicks in and off you go. You know, don't, don't go and get t-shirts printed that say I'm fucking great and walk around. Hey, everyone. Hey, check out my t-shirt. You know, I'm really great. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about using this opportunity whenever you meet senior people in a network and peers to really talk about the things that are going well. Have those conversations. Be upbeat about the business. Be engaged in the business. Really talk about what's working. You've got this amazing opportunity to do all of these things yourself. Everything that I've talked about so far, the three points that I've made, are all within your power And they all cost absolutely nothing to do. Even this podcast is free, so you're welcome. This is a great opportunity for you to really reflect and think about how that personal brand is driving it for you. So let's talk talk a little bit about social presence. So we've mentioned networking. Social presence obviously is a form of networking. Now, let's talk social presence online, first of all. Let's accept a few real facts, which are, one, there is a strong chance that on some of your network, on some of your social platforms, be that Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or Snapchat or whichever one you're using at the moment, someone or people or some people from work follow you. Accept that. There is also a strong chance that future employers, before they interview you, will look at your social content. You know, we know 74% of people, particularly younger millennials at the lower end of the spectrum in age, are looking at Instagram of businesses before they apply to them. So it's happening that way round. We also know that businesses are looking at people's social content before we interview and talk to them. So we know these two facts. We also know there's a chance that someone from work is following you. It's kind of a fact as well. So we know all of this. So do you really think that posting a picture on Tuesday night of you wearing a bikini with a traffic cone on your head in the middle of Slough High Street with the hashtag getting on it is a really good idea? Do you really think that social media is ready for that wonderful image to be emblazoned across their screens uh, as it comes up. Now, there are people out there, and I'm one of them, that separate their social media. So, for example, uh, my Facebook is very, very family-orientated. Uh, my brother lives in Australia, so it's a way we keep you know, family context. Uh, my Instagram is a lot more fun. 
is a lot more open. Still private though, but is a lot more open. And my Twitter is purely work. So I try and manage those situations. So if I'm going to post a picture of me in a bikini with a traffic cone on my head, then I'm going to be posting it to a platform that is pretty discreet and certainly doesn't have easy accessibility for future employers. So you need to really think about this and you really need to think about some of the content that you post as well. Um, you know, there's loads of different examples, whether it is overly religious, whether it is racist, whether it is sexist, whether it has weird connotations, you know, all of these things put people off. Then start to think about the other part, which is that chances are your social accounts are linked to other shit. So if you're working from home and have decided to play your PlayStation instead of do that report that your boss has asked you for, there's a strong chance if you get the highest score that your PlayStation is automatically going to post that onto your feed. Just think about it. Also think that not all the time are you responsible for it. So for example, your friends may be taking the photograph of you in a bikini, traffic cone on your head, Slough High Street, tagging you in that, boom, it appears on your social media. You know, th these are all real life situations that can really happen to you. So are you putting as much effort into curating your social content as you are driving your career? You know, there, there, there is a real correlation between the two. And those who want to go on to be overtly successful need to really consider this. Really consider this. Now, I'm not saying to you, go and be a monk. Go and put on a habit, shave the middle part of your hair off. I don't know why they do that. I mean, there's got to be, if anyone knows why they shave that middle part of their hair off, please let me know. But shave it off. Uh, and, you know, go and drink some absinthe somewhere. You know, go and become a monk. Do that. That's great. We're not asking you to do that. No way am I recommending that you become a monk. But what I am saying to you is you need to be a bit savvy. We live in a digital world where everything is connected. We are hyper-connected to each other. You know, if you think about the amount of screens that we look at, the amount of content that we generate, you think the need for a sort of attention and affection through social content really drives us posting so much stuff on it. And, you know, as generations change that's going to become more and more and more prevalent um, so for you listening to this today have a little think about what your social online content is saying about you maybe have a quick look through the pictures maybe check your privacy setting maybe if you were in Slough High Street on Tuesday untag yourself from that picture to sweep so you're not in that situation where you're having to see it have a real reflection on what your online uh, sort of social presence is saying about you. You know, think about your future and think about once it's out there, it's out there. It's a real, it's a real toughie, but it, it's really relevant. Just as I mentioned, you know, future employees are looking at our posts to see if we're a company that they want to work with. It is happening the other way around. So give that some real soul-searching time. And I'm not saying that all of your social media in the future needs to be highly motivational posts about how career-minded you are. Hashtag career goals. Check me out. I'm working late on a Saturday. But don't do that either. Find a balance in your life and, and maintain it. But just give it some real thought because it's really important that... Um, 
you know, it's really important that you understand the impact of that. Now, uh, I wanted to talk about style, Re- super subjective as well, because, um, yeah, style is one of those, what I find stylish versus what you find stylish could be very, very different. Uh, those of you who know me know that I've got, you know, tattoos pretty much everywhere. I am that guy. I've, you know, I believe in personal righteous expression. Uh, but, you know, I've also sat in that corporate machine and, you know, and played and, and delivered within that world. And, you know, I understood the importance of it. There's Everyone has seen the meme of dress for the job you want. And it's a geezer getting a job interview dressed as a Batman, right? Everyone has seen that. If you haven't seen that, check it. Get on to Google now. Google Batman job meme. There it is. It should be in front of you at the moment. I was always really conscious about the impact of people's perception of me and my style. So as I started to progress through the business, I dressed a lot better. And I dressed to make sure that people knew that I took my shit seriously, that I was in this. This is the game that I'm in and I'm going to be on it. My actual suits became like a suit of armour. You know, and I worked with some really incredibly talented GMs in London. And a couple of them really popped to mind, you know, Matthew and Simon. And I hope they're both listening to this. Amazing guys, are genuinely brilliant people. And, you know, these guys, when we got our bonuses in March, it would be a case of fessing out some new suits. The boys were lovers of uh, Paul Smith suits, uh, which obviously gorgeous as they are. You know, we all had our own little style going on. But the reason that we did it was because that's how we were perceived. We were GMs of central London hotels. We're, you know, potentially the top of our game. We need to look like it, act like it, be like it. And we wanted the next step. All of us wanted the next step. So style became, you know, style became really prevalent to me. And I dressed for the job that I wanted, which was the next step on for me. And all of them did. And the guys have gone on to do amazing things as well. Super proud of what they've achieved. So when you think about your style, think about what you're wearing to work today. Think about as it, you know, stupid things, really stupid things. Has it seen an iron as an example? You know, just make sure that you are making an impression because senior leaders don't know you. They don't. As much as you want to believe they do, they don't. So they will walk around an office, a bar, a restaurant, a hotel, wherever you're working, a Kentucky Fried Chicken. They will walk around. They may only visit once or twice a month, once or twice a quarter, once or twice a year. And when they turn up, it's like that thing where you dress up for your school photograph. Do you remember that? Oh, my God. My mum used to make such a fuss over it. And yet every one of the school photographs I've got are hideous. So... Maybe don't take styling advice from my mum. But uh, I love you, mum, by the way. So have a think about when that boss visits, it's like they're taking a photograph of the business. Because whenever they think back to, let's use an example of, I don't know, uh, hotel in Central. Let's, let's take Holiday in Mayfair, okay? So whenever they visit or think about Holiday in Mayfair, this senior leader goes back to that photograph in their mind. And in that photograph in their mind... When they reflect, you're there looking sharp, you networked, you asked the right questions, you've taken all the advice that we've put out so far on this podcast. Doesn't it put you in a better position? Because their sort of reflective memory of you, really positive, like supremely positive. So have you actually taken time to have a think about the power of style?
Now, all of us have got our very own style. You know, I, am very, I got called eclectic and bohemian the other day. Now, I don't know what that means. I think it's basically a posh eccentric. So I'm going to go with it. I'm happy with it. Yeah, I wear bracelets. Yeah, I've got tattoos. Yeah, I wear jeans and t-shirt majority of the time. Uh, but, you know, I feel very comfortable and I love, that's what I wear. But, you know, if I've got, if I'm meeting clients, if I'm doing business meetings, if there's a time that I need to suit up, then I can do that. I can chuck the suit and tie on, although I don't know how tight they're going to be. Uh, so I may need to go on some sort of Joe Wicks body coach blitz to get myself back into a couple of them. Uh, that's quite depressing. In fact, when I finish this podcast, I might go and try one on. I won't be posting progress pictures on social media because they could come back and bite me. But the point is here that making sure that you, know, you are wearing what is fit for the moment. I suppose that's the biggest thing. And, you know, have your little eccentricities in it. So, for example, I always used to wear a lapel pin because it was my little thing. I, I got a lovely dragonfly one, a hair one, a few little bits and pieces. But lapel pins were always something that I wore. And don't ask me why. And I already always had quite gregarious pocket squares. So even, even in a subdued environment, very corporate environment, I was able to flash out a little bit of personality. And you know what? That was quite a nice thing because it made me feel that I could still do both. I could still fit, but I could still stand out as well. And just take a, th- take a moment to reflect on, you know, how your style is having an impact of how people perceive you. Now, it's wrong. You know, people basing other decisions on your appearance don't agree with it at all, but it is part of a package. If they know your performance, if they know your networking skills, if they know your face and they know your style, imagine what that's doing to your personal brand. Imagine the impact of all of these coming together and actually working for you. Actually, think of it in the worst case scenario, which is all of these things coming together and actually working against you. All of these things are within your grasp. Everything that I've talked about today is within your control. So don't start getting frustrated that, you know, Daisy and Frank are getting promoted over you. Don't start getting upset that Natasha is better at this than you are. Don't start getting concerned about all these other situations that are work-related that could have an impact on your personal brand. Have a reflect on these people that are always leaving, the people that have got the wrong narrative. And, you know, you don't have to be a monk. I'm not saying to you that you have to now become holier than thou. No one wants to do that. No one wants to work with that either. You know, we all need a little bit of personality and fun. But have a real think about the impact your personal brand is having on you. And the impact that your personal brand is having on your opportunities. You know, these are things that are easy to manipulate, easy to change, easy to evolve, and, you know, really, really easy for you to have a quick and easy impact on. My last little bit on sort of um, on personal brand is t- take a little bit of advice, okay? Talk to some people. And don't ever, ever build your personal brand on belittling people. There's a podcast in this series called Build a Team, Not an Empire. 
have a little listen to that. I think it's really relevant for people that fit into this category. But you know, so many times you see people building their personal brand by belittling the performance or well-being or structure or culture of someone else to make them seem and feel like the bigger, better person. It doesn't work. It may work in the short time. It doesn't work in the, in the longer, more sort of drawn-out picture. It's a real opportunity for you to build a personal brand built on respect and image and kind of performance. Don't be one of those people that falls foul to talking bad about other people. Don't be one of those people that, you know, has never got a nice word to say about anyone. Don't be one of those people that builds his or her brand by stepping on the shoulders of other people. Because no one wants to work with that. No one respects that. So your personal brand is a real big part of who you are. In fact, it's the external perception of who you are. So take a little moment to have a think. Take a little moment to reflect on what you think your personal brand is. And maybe start asking some other people. Maybe start asking them. Maybe stop posting pictures of wearing traffic cones and bikinis on Slough High Street. Uh, if any of you have done that, by the way, that is awesome. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the picture because uh, I think it would be hilarious just as a weird reference. But... Um, you know, take this as an opportunity for you to refresh your personal brand um, and have a real think about how you want that to work harder for you in the future. Thank you for taking the time to listen. I hope you've really enjoyed uh, this episode. And uh, skip on to the next one. Yeah, there's loads of great content here today. And uh, I really enjoy talking to you. Speak to you soon.